So good evening. Welcome to the PSI Monthly Teleseminar. My name is Kat, and I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSA Seminars, welcome to the call. PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for over 40 years. And each month on these calls, we explore tools and techniques from the PSI Basic Course as a free resource for you in your ongoing personal growth and self-improvement. For those of you who are new to PSI seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic Seminar or any of our advanced courses, you can go to psiseminars.com where you'll find information about all of our seminars as well as the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's psiseminars.com. The topic for tonight's call is courage. And first off, I would like to introduce your speaker for tonight. We have a very special guest with us this evening, Mr. Rob Rowe. Rob is one of the advanced seminar instructors for the Life Success Course in the Men's Leadership Seminar. He has been involved with PSI seminars for almost 20 years now. He is an avid golfer, loves to read, and is involved in a number of charities. Rob, are you with us? Yes, I am. Wonderful. Welcome. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Am I on now? You're on. It's all yours. Okay. It's all mine. All righty. So uh, tonight's topic, as you understand, is about courage. And before we actually jump into the idea of what courage is or its place, I thought we'd put some context around it and discuss something that without which courage could not exist. So the first thing I want to look at is bringing up the idea of fear and fear's place, because fear has a place in our world and um, is necessary when we're drawing forth our courage and being courageous on our planet. People oftentimes say things like, I want to be fearless, or I don't want to have fear. Um, Realistically, that is unachievable by a human being. Uh, Fear is necessary. Fear is what we go through, and um, fear is actually the vital substance by which courage draws upon. So it has its place, and it's extremely necessary. So in talking about fear, I want to look at, first off, fear is induced by a threat that's perceived by us as people. Once that threat is perceived, then it causes a change actually in our brain, um, in our organs. That's why you feel like throwing up a lot of times or peeing on yourself. Uh, that's why your brain begins to freak out and you start, you start being able to shut down and freeze, where the brain freeze. And um, ultimately what happens, this change will change our behavior and we will operate different. We will say things we generally do not say. We will act in ways we generally do not act. Um, The likelihood of us acting in ways that make us look ridiculous or embarrass us are extremely high developed uh, depending on how much we have worked on ourselves in operating in high-intense situations like that. And so It's important to start looking at your fears and what fears, um, what those fears are telling you about yourself. Ultimately, my belief is this. Fear is the voice that's calling us home. It's the whispers that are entreating us to a better and more enriching life. It's mom saying, time to come home, time to run home. So when fears begin to come up in our world, my belief is those fears are actually calling us into them. They're calling us forward to them. And so to turn and face your fear, that's where we must begin to draw forth our courage and work with our courage. In our basic class, we deal a lot with awareness. This is the first axis of dealing with courage, becoming aware of what scares you, becoming aware 
of when that energy begins to come up, becoming aware of when this threat is perceived and starting to work with that particular threat. A lot of times we begin to feel this and we turn around and run the other way. And so creating the habit or the behavior of looking at it and seeing it for what it is and then giving ourselves the option of stepping into it, in other words, being courageous, that's what all awareness is about, becoming aware of what's freaking us out. Oftentimes when we get into the dance classes, I have a statement that I tell them, look at your five-year-old self. Awareness is beginning to see the world when you were five. And so the place of fear when you were five was highly instrumental in you growing as a human being and becoming six, seven, and eight. For instance, if you started looking at your criteria for choosing whatever it is that you did, you will learn that you did not choose anything unless fear was on the plate. If it wasn't scary, you didn't do it. If it didn't freak you out, it wasn't worth your time. And so you did things and got involved in things very practically because fear was a part of it. When we are afraid, the energy within our body actually shifts and changes. It's almost like our body is telling us, I haven't, you haven't been here before, so I'm going to make you bigger, stronger, faster. Adrenaline flows, endorphins kick in, things begin to happen at a cellular level, and if, because of which, if we can maintain our um, presence, we operate at a higher level, we think at a higher level, our speeds are increased to a higher level, uh, we become more powerful. Things really begin to happen once that energy is put into our system. And so the trick oftentimes as we grow older is noticing what's the relationship we have now created with fear. As we've gotten older, rather than a, than a sign that says, come this way, come this way, you know, more fun this way, more energy this way, more growth this way, what's happened is that fear has become a stop sign for many of us, and we use it to start halting and stopping and start only proceeding with great caution. This is the walls that we've developed around ourselves. If we start looking at the walls, we talk about we live in a box, we have walls that we have, we have a cage that we live in. You start looking at the bars of the cage, or you start looking at the walls that are around you, you will find these walls are there because they embody the fears that you have about the world. Fears about the world in general. Is the world a safe place, or do you see it as a hostile place? If you see the world as a safe place, a place of love and care, and it's, it's a thing, it's a big brother that only wants the best from you, you will operate differently within the world than if you see it as a hostile place, a scary place, a place that you have to take comfort, you have to be careful in, you have to create your own comfort, you have to constantly be on guard in. This kind of thinking about your world overall really affects on how you work and behave within that world. And so those are fears that we have. Fears of what people think of us. Fears of what those who work with us think of us. I was telling Kat before I came on this call today, you know, here I am all day long going, wow, okay, I'm going to talk about courage, I'm going to talk about fear, and I'm going to, you know, and I'm talking to people that I know, and I'm talking to people that I don't know, and frankly, I'm a little freaked out. I mean, I have a great deal of education. I've gone to school for like 15 years. I got a partial PhD. I've been in this work for 20 years. You would think I have all the criteria by which one would go, bam, I can, I can talk about this topic in a way that's practical that will assist people. But yet, even with all that, I go through the anxieties. I start to sweat. My hands get sticky. I worry. I wonder what people will think about me. 
And so I must go through the very process of calling forth courage just to, to just to talk on the phone. I have issues with talking on the phone when it talks without seeing the people in front of me. I am very good when I can see people's faces, when I get a feeling for what they're going through, when I ever get an idea that I'm on point or I'm on guard or I'm actually making a point. And when I'm talking to just my desk or just to no one in general, I have issues around that because I can't feel it. I'm constantly charged trying to feel what's going on. And so fears come up with that. And so what's happening for me, these are fears that call to me all the time. They're one of the walls that I deal with. What I'm working with personally on one of those balls is just personal acceptance. Accepting and caring about me regardless of whether those around me accept me and care about me. So as I'm trying to point out is your fears, the first thing you want to look at is what is it that's scaring me and what is it, call, what is it calling me into? Why is it calling me forward? For some of us, it comes to the risks when it talks about investing your money. For others of you, it comes the risk when it comes to investing yourself. For some of you, it comes the risk when it comes to getting into interpersonal relationships, when it comes to dropping down the guards, creating intimacy in your world, loving people in a very significant way. Start looking and noticing what is truly scaring you about your world and start listening to those voices. <laughs> and what you'll find is, there are the very voices that have been calling to you for a very long time. They're calling you into a life. The walls are all that you've been willing to let yourself deal with. And so bringing you to that place, becoming aware of those walls, is the very first aspect of it. That's part of the awareness training. That's part of what we deal with in the basic, becoming aware of what it is that gets in your way. Telling you that there's more. So, breakthrough. This is where courage comes in. Courage oftentimes has been called fortitude. It's courage. A lot of times people see it as confidence. I believe confidence is most basically when a skill set is combined with a belief system. Once we have a skill set and we combine it with a high to strong belief system, we have a lot of confidence in that particular area. I.e., if you can throw a football very well and you believe you're a really good football player, you become a very good football player. You can't throw a football really well, but you believe you're a really good football player, you will be a very good football player. And so you'll not create more and more confidence in that particular area. So practically, confidence is what we do when we believe a certain way and we have a certain skill set designed in that particular way. Then we can draw forth our confidence and be able to walk in a confident manner. Courage, basically, is drawing forth an energy despite of what we see in front of us or what we perceive in front of us. Um, we can actually see some things that we look at and go, oh, my gosh, this is scary, i.e., being up high, i.e., having to talk to somebody, i.e., being in a conflicting situation. We can actually see it in front of us. That is one aspect of dealing with our world. The other aspect is what we perceive by what we see. What are we projecting on what's in front of us? Are we afraid of what people are going to think of us? Do we have a fear of heights? Do we have a fear of falling? Do we have a fear of landing? Are we generally afraid of pain? What's coming up inside of us? And when all of that's coming up inside of us, courage is the ability to have it all there, but yet take one step forward. The way we do that is what isn't needs to become more important than what is. Our, who we want to be must become more important than what's right in front of us. We call forth courage and engage in scary things or things that we have a great deal of energy around 
only when we can see an ultimate payoff. We deal with this a lot of ways within our classes. One is we look at what is the gratification of experiencing this particular thing right now? And what's the gratification of going through this time ultimately in the future, i.e., how are you going to be different in your world? Who are you going to become in your world? What kind of person is going to be developed? How do you see yourself in 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years? That vision of you becomes very, very important when you're dealing with high fearful situations or high risky situations. Because now what needs to happen is how you see yourself in that future time that's the self you need to operate in this particular time. If I am high investor, if I am risky, if I am making moves that are generating a high income, or I'm in a very intimate relationship, or I'm a very powerful man or a very powerful woman, if I have a lot of responsibility five years from now, then I need to call forth what it takes right now in this moment to realize that potential in the future. What happens a lot of times is we don't practice doing that very often. We see an immediate gratification in doing something. If I do this, I'll achieve that. And if that gratification isn't high enough, we will not allow ourselves to go through that very uncomfortable situation, i.e., conflict management. A lot of people deal with conflict. They're working with conflict, whether it's in their relationships personal or whether it's in their relationships when it comes to professional. When you come into a conflicting situation, a lot of personal fears come up. What are they going to think about me? What's going to happen? What's going to be achieved? What could happen? Yada, 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 yada. And so we have much invested in this particular happening. Well, if we don't have a clear picture of what's going to happen afterwards, we will not put ourselves through the trauma of dealing with this conflict. Many people who come to our classes, what's happened is that they don't have a clear picture of a becoming outcome of going through a conflicting situation. And so they oftentimes don't go through a conflicting situation. They shy away from conflict. They try to stop do conflict. I tell them, Mr. Wilhite used to say, if you don't do things, if you don't do 10 things a month that's pissing people off, you're probably not actually being alive, which means being in conflict is part of being alive. Being in the midst of conflict, actually, we have to, allows us to call forth our courage so we can become the human being that we want to be. And so conflict brings forth courage. And so look at the immediate conflict of your situation. Yes, it's going to be difficult talking. Yes, it's going to be hard working through it. But if I embrace the truth, which is what I say I want to be in five years, a truthful man experiencing my world on a daily basis, then I embrace the truth and I speak the truth in this moment, what's the gratification it's going to bring in 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour? Well, if I truly hold true with it and fortify it with the right actions and fortify it with wisdom and fortify it with temperance, I will create a better situation, whether it's a better relationship with my spouse or whether it's a better situation at work or whether it's a better relationship with a work person. That immediate gratification, that betterment of that particular relationship will draw forth an energy, which we refer to as courage, which will drive you through that immediacy of the time frame. So courage to me is like an energy that we draw forth. So something has to become either tangibly meaningful in the immediate future 
or what has to be a delayed gratification and meaningful in a, in, a, in a future that's off in the future, like 10 years, five years, four years from now. That's one way of working with courage. Another way I see working with courage is this. In the midst of the situation, our minds are very amazing. And so if you can bring up a role model, someone in your head that displays courage, a superman, a, a character, whether it's alive or whether they're a, fan, a, a fictional character, bringing someone up like that, what happens is that you can now be, bring yourself to become more like them, therefore removing yourself from your present fears and asking yourself to move through those fears and deal with the conflict or deal with the situation or deal with the significance at hand. These kind of things help us deal with this energy that's called courage. Through the classes, we offer environments that bring up fearful energies. And in those fearful energies, then you get a chance to practice becoming courageous. In our, in our um, life success class, we say basically two things will serve you this week, your honesty and your courage. And so each and every situation, you ask yourself, was I honest and was I courageous? And if you were not, then next time, vow to be honest and vow to be courageous. Many times what I think happens with us is that we come to these crossroads and we see ourselves as a person, well, I backed down before, I backed down before, I backed down before, and we don't see ourselves as ever being courageous in this one particular event. And that may be true. But we oftentimes don't look at where have we been courageous in our world. I often tell people in the advanced classes, if I were to take a videotape of your life, I could show you in that videotape in detail how awesome you are, how powerful you are, what difference you make in this world. And in that same videotape, you could show me how you're not, what's bad about you, what's less about you. I could show you in that videotape enough instances where you were courageous, 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 courageous but you don't really realize or see it as courage anymore. You don't see it anymore as a courageous act, and therefore you do not draw from it. The only way to become more courageous in our actions is drawing off our past courage times and seeing ourselves in a future courage. And so drawing off yourself as a human being and working with that, that is what I consider what we call bringing forth our fortitude and becoming a more powerful human being. There's a quote I want to read, basically. I think it embodies courage in a very powerful way. The guy is G.K. Chesterton. He had an interesting way of seeing courage. And we deal with courage like it's a rather intangible substance. But it definitely, definitely is an energy that we must bring forth in any given situation. So Chesterton says this. Take the case of courage. No quality has ever so much addled the brains and tangled the definitions of merely rational sages. Courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live, taking the form of a readiness to die. He that will lose his life, the same shall save it. It's not a piece of mysticism for saints and heroes. It is a, it is a piece of everyday advice for sailors and mountaineers. It might be printed in an alpine guide or a drill book. This paradox is the whole principle of courage, even of quite earthly or brutal courage. A man cut off by the sea may save his life if he will risk it on that precipice. He can only get away from death by continually stepping within an inch of it. A soldier surrounded by enemies, if he is cut, a soldier surrounded by enemies, if he is to cut his way out, he needs to combine a strong desire for living 
with a strange carelessness about dying. He must not merely cling to life, then he will be a coward, and he will not escape. He must not merely wait for death, for then he will be a suicide and will not escape. He must seek his life in a spirit of in a spirit of furious indifference to his life. He must desire life like water, and yet drink death like wine. No philosopher, I fancy, has ever expressed this romantic riddle with adequate lucidity, and I certainly have not done it here. But Christianity has done it more. It has marked the limits of it in the awful graves of the suicide and the hero, showing the distance between him who dies for the sake of the living and him who dies for the sake of the dying. What Chesterton embodies there is the energy that we need to draw forth. We must desire the, tr the change or the shift in our life. We must desire the transformation in our life in such a way that we're willing to give our life to get to it. And so we must honor life and cradle life in such a way to where we're living on a precipice, on a paradox of in losing we gain. And that's what happens when it comes to bringing forth your courage in a given situation. Let's go back to the conflict. You have to actually be able to take on the possibility of losing face. You have to take on the possibility of being rejected. Kiyosaki used to say you have to take on the possibility of becoming poor. In his way, a lot of times you must become bankrupt before you'll actually create money. We must actually allow ourselves to take on the scariest thing in front of us and embrace that scary thing. And once we're embracing that scary thing, energy is drawn forth to where we overcome whatever that scary thing is. Whether it be fears of being alone, whether it's fears of being lonely, whether it's fears of being losing, whether it's fears of what people think of you, it's only when we embrace those things deeply and we understand, and I, my belief is that inside of us, to become a whole person, those things are, that's, that's the pathway by which we must take because those are the very things that are getting in our way. And so once we surrender to those things or become okay with those things, then what happens is we call forth a courageous energy and we transcend them. Courage is always calling us to transform and transcend. That's why I believe it's always difficult to constantly do, to realize that we're doing, because as we transcend the little things, we must transcend the bigger things. And the bigger things always lead us to what we believe to be bigger things. They may not be bigger things to other people around us, but they're very, very big things to us. And so we're constantly being called forward. That's why I think sometimes it's easy to procrastinate. That's why I think it's sometimes easy to just kind of be okay with where you are. Ultimately, I think that's what, why the book From Good to Great was written. A lot of times we allow ourselves to be settled in this cozy, comfy, lukewarm water of good when truly what we're after is the adventure of great. And so to make great happen, we must see ourselves in five, ten years being a great person. In so doing, we'll lay down a particular fortitude in our present that can call us forth, embrace the fear, use the fear as a stepping stone, use the fear as a retro rocket, use the fear as a powerful energy that throws us headlong into that which we were afraid of therefore becoming courageous in that particular action. So it's both pragmatic and it's also mystic. It's a very different thing. I find courage in my own life something that 
I'm only in the midst of it. Generally, in the aftermath, as I'm reflecting upon a situation, do I realize I was courageous? It's something that when I'm calling it forth in a present moment, it's almost I don't even realize I'm calling it forth. It's only afterwards in reflection that I go, yeah, that time I was really courageous. It's in coming to the end of this call and now taking on the fears of what questions you might have that I feel back on, well, okay, what did I say? That I give them a place in which they can move forward. They see courage in a different way. They realize courage is the whispers that's calling them into a deeper, more powerful and effective life. Courage is not making them into a better, making them make a better life. It's making them into a better person that lives a better life. You as a human being, becoming more of your humanness as you go along. That particular idea is what courage is all about. And so, yes, it results in you making lots of money. It can result in you having an intimate relationship. It can result in you creating the things that you say you want in your life. But ultimately, courage is about bringing you, transcending you, transforming you into the person that you want to be in your life. Courage is what it took for the beast to become beautiful. Courage is when everything, when something transforms into something else that's always wanted to be. Courage ultimately is going to call you into the cocoon, and once in that cocoon, be able to break out and become the butterfly that you know that you want to be. So with that said, do we have any questions, Kat? We do indeed. Uh, first off, I have a question from E.C., uh, who asks, how can I pluck the courage in one area of my life and apply that force in another where I'm timid? So transferring courage from one area of your life and bringing it into another area of, area of your life. Well, the first way you do, you can't pluck it. It was developed in that one area of your life because you laid down a certain, uh, you laid down a, a a pathway, so to speak. You laid down a foundation that when needed, you draw off that particular foundation. You know who you are. You know what you mean. You know that you belong. There's some things that are all solidified in that particular area that are not present in the other area. And so the only way you can truly pluck it is by drawing forth out of yourself the same energy you're drawing in, in the timid area, you need to draw forth out of yourself the same area that you're drawing forth out of the area where you, where you draw forth courage all the time. Uh, like in my world, um, let's see, I look at it as when I'm playing golf, uh, I can hit a great iron uh, because I feel like I have a lot of history hitting good irons, and so I draw off that history, I draw off that effectiveness, and I really believe myself to be a great iron player. And then what you're asking now, how do I pluck that courage when I take on iron shots into my putting area? And I can't. Putting is a completely different discipline. It requires a completely different attitude. Putting is more about surrender versus conquering. Putting is a completely different situation. Now, I can draw my same fortitude into that situation. I can draw my same, but I must learn more about that situation and what fears is that situation calling forth for me. Putting is about finishing. So I know I have fears around death. I have fears about getting older. I have fears about this. And so I must allow myself to start looking at those fears and truly see what I'm afraid of. Then, and only then, am I going to be able to draw forth the courage it takes to become a good putter. 
Golf to me is a spirituality. It's a spiritual discipline. In golf, I find all the areas that I'm working with throughout the years when it comes to working with the seminars. So that's why I use it. And so to say, if you're a fantastic cook, how you make that into I'm a fantastic businesswoman, or you're a fantastic businesswoman, how do I make that into I'm a fantastic person when it comes to relationships, I can draw forth courage at any time, then you must look at the other situation and say, what am I really afraid of? What are those fears calling forth out of me? And then in allowing yourself to face those fears and surrender to your abilities, then I think you can actually deal with those fears. And so it's not a plucking process. It's not a transitional process. It's a growing process. You must grow as well as bring. But once you've done it once, once you become aware of it once, then you can do it faster and faster and faster. That's the best part about doing anything. And so my thing is that you obviously want to transition it. So now look at your fears. What's drawing up some energy? What are you afraid of? What do those fears really mean? What's going on for you in those situations? And then allowing yourself to go, okay, truly face those fears. Am I enough? Kiyosaki, when he talks about becoming bankrupt, his whole idea is that once you're bankrupt and you've lost it all, you realize you still survive. You're alive. You didn't lose it all. Your fears around what you lost were, that was the thing that was keeping you away. And so once you realize you can survive and go through that, uh, then that will no longer hold you back, bankruptcy. And so your fears concerning what others may think of you go down to what you think of yourself. And once you become, bring, bring yourself into a better relationship with self, then those fears no longer bother you, and then you can handle that situation. So find out what you're afraid of. Find out what it means. Embrace it, and then be the person that you are. You're enough, and you can handle it. That's how you bring one situation into, into another situation. Next question. Next up, JB has a question. Would I be happier if I change my life, or does the grass just look greener on the other side? Grass always, look green, always looks greener on the other side. It's part of what draws us forward as human beings. I guess you want to look at what is it about the grass that's drawing you forward. Um, I can think about things like this. In the churches, when I was working uh, with people in church groups and I worked with people in other groups, what I've always found is somebody who's always on that edge on whether they want to have an affair or get divorced. And so they find themselves in a particular relationship, and they're not all that happy because they've made happiness the primary goal of that relationship. Oddly, that relationship can't make you happy. The only person that can make you happy is you. And so you can bring happiness to the relationship, which would ultimately alter the relationship. You can bring joy. You can bring love. You can bring these kind of things to that relationship. And so when I'm counseling people, what they're hoping is that, all right, so this relationship isn't that satisfying. And so they're looking for something external to satisfy them. Once again, nothing external can satisfy us. We can always satisfy us. Are you seeing the elements here? So if they leave this particular relationship to go find a new, greener relationship, what they're going to do is they're going to find a different body that's going to bring up the same problems and issues that they have right now. And so they'll basically they'll have themselves about two or three years of transition. They, they may have... A, great sex for a while or great intimacy in the beginning of the relationship, but the very thing that they have right now is going to be developed in that relationship because they have not they have not grown. They have not transformed. They have not shifted and so they're going to bring it forth. 
I can apply that in work situations, um, but I would have to bring in, why are you staying where you are? Is it believe, if it's, is it the belief or the fear this is all that I can get, this is all that I'm capable of doing? Now, when I deal with like that or I see people like that, I, I, you have to ask yourself a question, okay, what am I really afraid of here? Can I actually, am I selling out, so to speak? Is there more than I can do in that speech that no one knows who actually did it? Um, it does not serve the world for you to play small. And so my question to everyone all the time is, is this a question that's keeping you small? Or is it a question, or is this, you know, is this answer keeping you small? Or in answering it, you become bigger. One of the things when we look at our universe, is the universe uh, becoming bigger and more humorous and funnier, or is the universe becoming smaller and scarier? And so if your universe is becoming smaller because you're staying with this particular situation, yes, you need to challenge yourself and go through it. It isn't about greener grass. It's about you settling and becoming a smaller person. If it truly is about I'm unhappy or I don't like this or this is not what I expected it to be, uh, that means the situation is calling you to a, a bigger world. And so stay in that particular world. But you're right. You'll create it again in five years, three years, two years, ten years. It's just a matter of time. And so you might as well deal with it now than dealing with it later. Hope that provides something for you. Next question. Uh, LD wants to know how to let go of insecurity. How to let go of insecurity. You draw forth your courage. There you go. That's easy, huh? <laughs> insecurity is our personal definitions around ourselves. And we have to look at what are the reasons that we have defined, defined ourselves in a particular way. And why is it bringing up that particular insecurity? Perfectionists deal a lot with this. You're trying to be perfect. The thing is that I always think it's a misconception. See, you can't be perfect. You can only be human. Humans have strong points. Humans have weak points. Humans have frailties. Humans have structural abilities. Humans have skill sets that they've developed over a period of time. Humans have skill sets they've never touched and may never, ever touch. And so to look at your skill sets that you've never touched and say, I'm truly insecure as a human being, that means you're uh, misdirecting your, your awareness. And so you should redirect your awareness to where you are actually excelling, what you actually do good in, and start looking into those kind of things, which brings an affirmation to who you are as a human being. And so insecurities generally are self-defined places that try to keep us in a smaller arena, try to keep a smaller person and something that keeps us in check all the time. And so I always challenge people to start looking at your insecurities and going, why? They're there for a purpose. You developed them. No one else did. You're not a perfect human being. You can't be perfect. You're not a mechanical being. You are actually alive. You're a living being. And being a living being, you make mistakes. Being a living being, you miscalculate. Being a living being, you're going to do your very best in the situation, and you're going to find out it was the very worst for the situation. But you could never, ever find that out until you gave your very best to the situation. So truly, you must do what you need to do in any given situation and then learn afterwards. Um, it's like uh, 
the great wisdom people always say, life, you live it forward, but you only learn it from the backward. So only in afterwards do you understand what it is. And so securities, insecurities, those are all kind of things we create or make up. Ask yourself, why did I make them up? What are they proving? What need are they fulfilling? And then find a healthier way to fulfill that need. Because there's always a healthier way to fill that need. Next question. Next up, KB has a question. How do we know if it is our fear or our intuition telling us not to go ahead with something? You don't. You never will. Sometimes fear and intuition are so intimately locked you can't discern one from the other. And so what I believe is fear is part of the energy you're going to need to get through a situation. If it's fear, you'll find is one of the four, um, I'm sorry, courage you'll find is one of the four virtues that's always talked about. It's always put in a, in a place of virtues, and it's always always like in the third step of it, because it always have, starts off with wisdom, um, more prudence, and then justice, and then you'll have courage and fortitude, and then you'll have temperance. Those four all together create a great life, not focusing on any one of them. Courage without the temperance of um, justice now becomes radical behavior or rebellious behavior because uh, now you're operating without any concept of what's right in this moment or what should I do in this particular moment. And so when you're looking at a situation, you're trying to discern, is it my fear or is it my intuition that's telling me to stop or is telling me to, to step back, um, that's where you've got to call forth your wisdom and your intelligence. And then what's right for me in this particular situation, then I will call forth my fear, and then I will temper that action to see, did it validate who I am as a human being or did it invalidate who I am as a human being? I think what stops us doing a lot of things is not necessarily realizing if this particular action's place in our lives and either overwhelming, making an overwhelming action or minimizing it, making a minimizing action, and therefore either not taking it on or taking it on foolishly. And the truth of the matter is you're going to feel something. And um, the only way you're going to know exactly what it is is by practicing it, doing it. Intuition is a muscle that must be, you know, exercised to create it, make it stronger. And courage is a muscle that, too, must be exercised to make it stronger. Hence, one of the reasons we do actually our classes, our, our advanced classes up at the ranch, they're putting you in environments where you have to start practicing it. And in practicing it, you take all this energy off of, I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to ruin it, I'm going to do it wrong. Now, once you start doing it a few times and you realize, no, there's no wrong, it's like, I'm going to kiss wrong. No, you can't kiss wrong. You can kiss poorly, but you can't kiss wrong. Any kiss is a good kiss. And so, but once you start kissing more, once you start involving yourself more with these situations, then you become more practiced in it. Then you can tell intuition from fears, start combining them together, and so, bam. The problem is that it's always the final test. I guarantee you, you're in a situation where your intuition is saying one thing, fears are saying another thing, and you only have one shot at it. And unfortunately, that's kind of how life goes. You've got to take your shot, and it's only afterwards where you'll realize where that shot took you. And so my thing is that, you know, people say, you, you want to live with regret for the rest of your life, or you want to live with fear or pain. Yeah, everything you're going to do is going to involve some pain. 
um, and you're, anything worth having is painful. Anything worth creating is painful. Uh, but what's also painful is staying right where you are. And so you will only learn the subtleties of your intuition and the subtleties of your fear by practicing them and getting involved with them. Next question. A.H. asks, how do I create more self-trust when no one else believes in me? That is a really good question. We have people that try to deal with trust all the time when it comes to when they're coming up to the ranch and they're working with this particular work. What's happened is a lot of times that we've gone through issues. My, I personally, I can, I can think of when I first, I had a, I've been divorced. And so um, when I got divorced, I had to look at myself and go, this hellish relationship I actually chose. And so the person that I realized I couldn't trust anymore was myself to choose wisely in future relationships. Hence, kept me out of relationships for 10, 15 years, 20 years. So the idea is how do you develop trust in yourself? I found through my own experience is the same way I develop trust in other people. How I develop trust in other people is in our relationship is if they are consistent and they do what they say they're going to do. Once they are consistent and they do what they say they're going to do, I have a tendency of trusting them. I begin to rely on them and I will begin to care about them. If they are inconsistent and they don't do what they say they're, they're going to do and they do that in a very inconsistent way, I can rely on that inconsistency as a consistency. And I can still create a relationship with them and I can still pretty much tell how they're going to show up in a particular time frame or in a particular situation. So your job to develop self-trust in you, trusting yourself is, you've got to look at your relationship with your word. You've got to look at your integrity. See, we all have, in our final classes, we deal with principles of which we will ultimately stake our lives on. These principles are what make leaders leaders, what make leaders powerful, what makes leaders three-dimensional, what makes leaders have depth, character, and makes you want to follow them. They have developed principles or values, and they have created a relationship with those principles and our values to where they follow through with what they say they're going to do, whether someone's watching or not, because they know ultimately they are watching. I've I got to go back to my golf illustration. There are times where you must call a, pencil, a penalty on yourself because you know that you did something that no one else could see but it wasn't in the rules of golf. You start to have to look at your relationship with your word. Who do you say you are? What do you say you stand for? What are the principles of what you're staking your life on? And if you truly start coming into integrity with those principles and those values, you will create trust in yourself. And from that trust in yourself, you will draw trust from other people because they will trust you. But it's only in the practice. And so you may say you're an honest person, but you truly need to look at your practice. Am I truly being honest? Or do I find myself, I'm honest when it's convenient? Do I follow through or do I only follow through when it's convenient? And so what's happening is that the principle of convenience is the value by which you're staking your life on. I find that to be true of many people. Their word is convenient. Their life is convenient. 
they're more like water. And they say, no, I'm like water. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Who you are matters. Your character, to develop your character, uh, it's not for the weak part. It's scary. It makes you surrender. It calls you forth to bring forth courage in situations. It's, it's not for the timid. Personal growth never has been for the timid. Because you truly have to look at yourself and come to the harsh realities and also affirm the great complexities. You're a very amazing thing. You can do amazing things at any given time, and you can do hellish things at any given time. That's the power you have as a human being. And so, looking to grips, trusting yourself to do what you say you're going to do, be the kind of person you say you're going to be, get clear on that person and where that person belongs in your world. You start creating that kind of relationship with you, I guarantee you, less than three to six months, you will find yourself trusting yourself and making a difference in your world and becoming a person that matters. Because until you matter to you, you can matter to nobody. Next question. Next question. MH uh, asks, why is it fear of success seems to hold me back? MH. MH. Um, why does fear of success? MH, i got to tell you one thing. I don't think we as human beings fear success. And what I mean by that is that success in and of itself is a pretty amazing thing. I mean, make a, make an extra million dollars, uh, own a business that constantly fortifies who you are as a human being, giving you liberty in your life, uh, creating a relationship to where you have great intimacy um, and you are vital and alive and excited about each and every day. See, these are things that are successful. I don't think people are afraid of these things. I think what they're afraid of is what success brings. And so for you to begin to look at what is success, what am I really afraid of? If I were successful, what position does that put me in? For some people, it's extremely a volatile position or a position where weaknesses will begin to show up. I know some people, they are so fearful of succeeding because if they succeed, they're afraid their lives will be held under the microscope of many, thing, of many people um, like we do in our culture. We start looking for the, what are the, you know, the skeletons in the closet. We look for the frailties. We look for the weaknesses. We do our best to try to bring them down. Uh, we do this with every leader in our system. We look at them, and if we don't believe in them as a leader, we'll start breaking them down and start making them into a human being or a person less than ourselves. And so does success bring that fear of being analyzed or being uh, scrutinized or being criticized? Well, then that means you're afraid of, you know, you don't believe in yourself. You have a significant fear of believing in yourself. Does success mean you're going to have to do it again? That's what a lot of people, they're afraid of doing it once because if they do it once, then they're going to be relied upon to do it again. Every time I succeed, now I'm asked to do it one more time. Well, then you just have fear in your ability. You're afraid that you're not enough. So what you're going to look at is, I am enough. You're always enough or you wouldn't be in that situation. You're the best person for that situation because you're in that situation. And so I would start looking at what is it about success that brings up that particular energy. For me personally, I'll tell you this. As I grew up, I grew up in a rather difficult environment, and I made my firm beliefs around myself are not good. And I have battled those program beliefs my whole life long. One of my beliefs is that I'm worthless or I'm not enough. I don't belong on the planet kind of right thing. That's a very firm belief. Now, 
I have used that belief to create a rather great life. It's not like you can't create great lives with really weird beliefs. You can. But the difficulty to have the ultimate things you want in life, like liberties, um, love, um, things that cannot be gotten but can only be given, these can only be attained by switching your true beliefs around yourself. And so that fear of being worthless or the fear of not being enough, I have used that and leveraged that my whole life long. But what it comes out now is this. I have a great golf swing. I can shoot great golf. I'm a great golfer. But yet when it comes down to playing great golf, that trepidation, what would happen is that it would prove that I'm a worthy man or it would prove them enough. I don't want to prove that. And so I won't play great golf. Ultimately, that's what we got to look at our successes because our successes generally are wrapped around our deepest beliefs around ourselves. And those deep beliefs you made when you were a small child are very powerful. You are going to be right about being a loser or not being enough or being terrible or being whatever it is just to prove your parents wrong or to get under their skin. We have unusual leverages we use with that. And if I'm talking way over your head when it comes to your deep beliefs about yourself, that's one of the reasons we do the classes we do. They're educational classes, and so you can actually create a foundation from which to move forward rather than just go, what are you talking about? I don't know what this means. You know, That's the whole idea of awareness training and the and behavioral shifting and modification. So we have uh, more tools, so to speak, to work with things. So look at your success. Find out what it is that's freaking out about it. And that's what you got to work on, because I don't believe you're afraid of success. We all would love to be millionaires. We'd all love to have intimate relationships. We'd all love to have businesses that perpetuate themselves and create financial liberty for us. So those aren't our issues. Our issues are things that the success means for us. Find out what it is. You found out your thing. That's what you need to work on. Next question. Great. Well, MH was asking about the fear of success. PO is asking about the fear of failure and the fear of making an idiot of yourself. How does one get past that? Fear of failure, fear of becoming an idiot, or believing or having, making an idiot of yourself. Once again, these are really good things. This is one of the things that people work with all the time. I have a friend who's actually writing a book dealing with this very same issue. We all have afraid. We have a fear of failing because at the bottom base level of that, we're afraid of being a failure. Failure is not an issue. We've got to fail to succeed. We know that. Failure brings learning. Failure brings, but failure is one of the best things we can deal with in our world. It brings humility. It brings behavior modification. It brings development. Failure is an amazing tool. It's the steps by which we move towards success. Our fears of failure is because we are afraid that we are a failure. And so failing means we're a failure. Looking like an idiot means we're an idiot. And it doesn't. That's a misnomer. It's a misunderstanding. It just means you're a human being. It means you're alive. My friend's writing this book is called, you know, Embrace the Dork Within. Ultimately, what he's putting out on the table is all of us at some level, we're kind of dorky. You may think you're an awesome person. You, you, you may have beliefs around somebody who's an awesome person. Um, I, I have a friend who loves, you know, the Wolverine. She's the, the epitome of being a male. But the point is, once you get around any human being, they have some dorky qualities as well. It's only our projections on them that makes them what we think they are. And it's the same projections we have around ourselves. So you're a dork. We're all dorks. We've all done things. We're all, we've all failed. We've all fallen short. We have all made mistakes. We have all done that. Everybody shares in that. So part of the thing is this. 
you're not in this alone. It means you're a human being. It means if you're actually feeling these things, you're doing the very best you can. And so one of the things we do in our secondary class is that what if there were no failures? What if you could not fail? If you lived your life as if you could not fail, what might happen? Any great enterprise that you have dealt with, that you have actually achieved, you will make note that throughout that achievement, there were times where problems arose and you mishandled those problems, but in mishandling the problems, they shed light on something that needed to have light shed upon it, and you were able to overcome even a bigger problem or a bigger obstacle because of it. Fear is necessary. It's developing your character. How you deal with fear, that's a significant thing as a human being. What if you could not fail? How would you then operate? See, one of the things I deal with people, especially in a very problematic area when they're working at our life success course and they get to this really scary place, um, I ask them what they're experiencing, and a lot, of times, a lot of times they'll tell me they're afraid. They're fearful of something. Or they're afraid of looking stupid, and they're afraid of what other people are going to think about them. And I tell them basically this. Whenever you're constructing this particular experience in a pass and fail like you're doing now, that means somebody else is keeping score and it's not you. What's happening is you're trying to prove your worth to somebody else. That's what's happening in your world. That's why you're afraid of failing and you're afraid of looking like an idiot. You're trying to prove yourself. And you're trying to prove what I refer to as an intangible. Trying to prove you're a worthy person or trying to prove you're powerful or loving or caring is trying to prove an intangible. I put it on the same level as trying to prove there's God. Our, our, our world has spent centuries on trying to, proving, trying to prove there's a God or trying to prove there's not a God. They've proven neither. It takes as much faith to believe in a God as it takes as much faith to believe there's no God. You cannot prove it. It's an intangible. In the same way, you can't prove you're a worthy man, you can't prove you're a worthy woman. You can't prove that you're enough, you can't prove that you're not enough. Ultimately, what it comes down to is that you have to believe it. You have to surrender to it and believe it. Once you realize you're a human being and you're worthy and you're powerful, then failure just becomes part of the package. It's just one more part of the step. Generally, failure is part of the thing you need to be a part of. If you didn't have failures, you wouldn't learn anything. It wouldn't be any fun. That's what life's all about. It's through that assimilation and acclimation and then a re-manifestation re that we actually have fun in life. We enjoy it. And so rather than trying to stay away from your failures or fearing that you're an idiot, embrace them. Embrace them by, with no practical reason other than, one, everybody else is doing the same thing and they're in the same boat as you are, and two, in so doing, you're going to become a better man or a better woman. And in so doing, it's going to affirm your character, it's going to affirm your principles, and it's going to affirm who you say you are. Because most people don't have in their principle statement, I want to be a quitter. They have something in their principle statement was, I was passionate and truly alive. So embracing failures, embracing your dorkiness is part of being alive. Next question. I have uh, two questions here I'm going to put together. 
question one, fear paralyzes me. How can I switch that so instead fear energizes me? And question number two, is there a quick way to switch fear to bravery? Paralysis when you're experiencing fear is a habitual process that you have developed over a period of time. We call them programs in our um, that's the jargon that we utilize inside seminars. Uh, many of the people we call them habits, habits of thinking, habits of acting, habits of being. And so what's happened is that throughout your life, you've developed a habit of being paralyzed, shutting down and kind of, you know, tolerating, waiting, making it, making it through. That is going to be a little process that you've got to put yourself through to do differently. So you've got now, if you truly are aware of this, is what you're saying you are, you've become aware of this. Now what you have to do is create new habits that bring lucidity in paralyzing places. And so you have to put yourself in places that you're, you're afraid. People generally have, you know, fears of great heights and so bungee jump, um, climb, climb tall things, uh, speed, be a part of something. So get yourself to where you're seeking out conflict or you're seeking out situations that you know are going to freak you out and start laying down the fortitude that rather than I always paralyze, I always get paralyzed or I always freak out and freeze to um, I always act appropriately in a given situation. I always act appropriately in a given situation. I always face my fears and overcome them. I always, and so laying down these new thought processes and then coupling them with actions of doing that, um, you'll create new habits to where you no longer freeze or become paralyzed in given situations. A lot of times we want to just eradicate something that we've done our whole life long, and it's not that easy. We have to retrain our thinking, and then we have to retrain our actions, and then in retraining our actions, we bring a new, a new fortitude to what it is we're doing. So it's not that easily done. The second question, would you repeat that for me, Kat? Uh, well, they're both essentially about switching fear into something um, that is like fuel instead. Yeah, so right. the second one so is switching fear to bravery. How do you make it a fear as opposed to a, how do you make it a power as opposed to something that shuts you down? Yes. Yeah. Your perception of it is what does it. If you perceive fear as a, like I say, the, the definition of fear, it's a perception of what we have about our reality. And so if you perceive your reality as dangerous and life-threatening, the appropriate response to that in your world is to shut down and back off. That's your perception. Other people's perception are to freak out and scream and yell. Other people's perception would be to now check in and devise appropriate action or appropriate strategy in that given situation. That breaks mindfulness. You've got to be mindful of what's happening. And you don't have to um, follow a habit you've laid down for the last 20 years of your life. You can create a new habit. Once again, the development of that habit of becoming mindful, strategize, and then actually proceed, that has to be done a few times. One, and two, you have to stop seeing every situation as life-threatening, highly dangerous, or you 
can't see situations of what's the safe way of handling this. Ultimately, I don't believe there's a safe way of handling anything. I think safety is like an illusion. I think it's something that we hold out there. I want to be safe. I don't think it can be safe. Uh, it seems to me that in this world, uh, that's not achievable. Uh, you try to... No, I just don't think it's possible. It's not. So the thing is, the way you transition, the way you transform it is through practice, practice, practice. you got to practice it. And so you got to, once again, put yourself in moderate places where that energy is coming up and lay it down a different strategy and a different fulfillment. you actually got to think it through. In our world, we deal with to think is to create. So your present thinking is creating a overwhelmed um, freezing. And so if you want a different way of operating, you've got to check, check on that thinking, reshift that thinking, and then practice that um, strategy in real life, in real time, in real situations. And so in so doing, you'll once again create a habit. But ultimately, these must be tied into a principle or a character development in yourselves. It cannot happen just to happen to say. They need to be part of a bigger whole. Everything is always part of the bigger whole. Who are you going to become? What are you going to deal with? Who are you? Who are you? you know, ultimately, are you realizing the vision of what you think you say you are? In the latter part of our classes, our leadership classes, we deal a lot with vision because ultimately, you are you are fulfilling a vision. The point is, are you conscious of that vision you're fulfilling? Have you actually sat down and thought it out and written it, or is it something that you're haven't give you know you haven't put any energy at all. Even though you haven't put energy at all in it, you are becoming something. And so the difference is noticing what you're becoming, and once you notice what you're becoming, you can be created faster. Or uh, be ignorant of what you're becoming and have it happen to you, and you wake up in five years ago. What shit? What happened? So practice, practice, practice. The thing is to create. You're thinking already in mobility when it comes to scary things. Transition things from um, being freaked out into being energetic. Once again, it's perception and practice. Uh, if you see yourself as a sitting duck or a sitting deer, you're going to get shot. If you see yourself as a running deer, you have a chance of getting shot, but you have a better chance of staying alive. So what do you think in that given situation? I'm not sure if I answered that adequately, but that's the best thing to give you right now. So next question. Well, that's actually all the time we have for questions. Uh, we do have a couple minutes, though, if you'd like to wrap up the call. All righty. So I didn't give you very many practical things, people, because I really believe courage ultimately and fear, fear and courage are ultimately, they're the building blocks that's working with us at an energetic level. So I think it's really difficult to get practical ideas of how to deal with that. One is to become extremely aware of it. So awareness is the big one. Start becoming aware of what you're doing and was it a courageous act or not. And if it was a courageous act, affirm yourself for that. If it was a cowardly act, don't berate yourself. Look at yourself. Why didn't you become, why didn't you call forth courage? What became more important in the moment? Your safety, what others were going to think about yourself. And so start looking at your world and actually begin to affirm yourself on a daily basis the courageous things you use. For some of you, it takes a great deal of courage just to get out of bed. Hello. And face your day because you have such you have created such a hellish existence. And so when you get out of bed with a semi smile on your face, affirm yourself and go, Yeah, got out of bed. That was big. For others of you, you got out of bed because you got out of bed at a particular time. So affirm yourself. You got out of bed at six o'clock, five o'clock. especially you guys who are doing a lot of workout stuff to try to bring value into your lives and so you're overindulging and working out 
start looking at, you know, wow, it took courage to call that for it. It takes courage to look at my body. It takes courage to deal with my health. It takes courage to deal with these things. You're doing courageous acts all the time. So, bottom line, boom, start affirming them and ultimately celebrate them. One of the things I have with a few people in my world, when we do things, we will actually go, that was courageous. And we affirm it. Um, a practice that uh, my wife and I get into a lot of times is to look at each other's lives, because others can always see us better than we see ourselves, and start pointing out great things that we're doing and start affirming those things. Because what happens is our lives become routine and we don't realize how awesome things are. My wife's pretty good, actually, about affirming things that she does right. She thinks she's a great person. I challenge myself with that. So affirm and celebrate. Two, do what you say you're going to do. Start following through with what you say you were going to do. And then when you, when, you, when you truly attempt to do what you say you're going to do, then when you don't do it, that's where you're going to find your next stepping stone. That's your next place to go. What is generating that anomaly in you? What fears are you harboring? What are you holding on to? What is holding you back? Because ultimately those little things in that area are holding you back in bigger places and in other areas. And so say what you're going to do and find out why you're not doing what you say you're going to do. Work with that. Uh, acknowledge it in other people. That's extremely practical. You can only see in them what's present in you. That's why you see it in them. You can't hate anybody unless you really hate yourself. You can't love anybody unless you really love yourself. And you can't see these qualities in other people unless they're present in yourself. And so truly start looking at people, especially those who are close to you, and start acknowledging when they operate in a courageous way, when they overcame something in their world. And so once you're able to acknowledge it in them and see it in them, oddly you'll start seeing it in you more readily. And you will start creating a confidence because you'll start creating a different belief about yourself. I am a courageous person. I, I, I am enough. I do matter. Because if you actually saw yourself, if your vision was you're a courageous person who lives on the edge, you will become a courageous person that lives on the edge. Most of us say, don't even have that affirmation. And we say we live on the edge, but we only live on the edges that we choose. And so creating confidence in your abilities basically is the belief I'm a courageous person and then developing the skill set that create courage in those situations. Whether it comes to sales, whether it comes into marketing, whether it comes into business enterprises, whether it comes into personal relationships, whether it comes into sporting activities, all of those are designed first off from what you think about yourself and then you can develop those skill sets to create the kind of person that you want to be. So, if you haven't taken our classes, take our classes. Uh, Mr. Wilhite uh, and we have developed over the years basically this. For every day that you're in some sort of personal growth class, it's like a year. And so if you take our classes, it's like doing uh, 19 years in 19 days. That's the totality of them. And so you can achieve what you say you want faster. If you're not going to do our classes, start looking into your world and find out what can you do. Where are you challenging yourself to learn? Where are you challenging yourself to grow? And how are you putting yourself into an environment where you must call forth your courage? I'm noticing a lot on our planet we don't do anything that calls forth our courage. We got, our, we got ourselves into the sameness of the day, doing only what's necessary, you know, and we think about writing the book, we think about creating a relationship, we think about learning how to dance, we think about these things, but we never truly engage in them. So start looking at your life, 
Start taking your life on daily, and you will develop courage. And one day what's going to happen is you'll look in the mirror and go, you're a courageous man. You're a courageous woman. You don't back down from things. You actually take things on. But it's a practice and it's a habit that you've developed now over time because of your awareness of it, your affirmation and celebration of it, your discipline in doing what you say you're going to do in it, and then you're acknowledging it in others. It makes a huge difference. It's your life. Take it on. All right. What an awesome call. Thank you so much, Rob, for, for being with us tonight and uh, sharing your words of wisdom on courage. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for, for inviting me. Um, and I pray that uh, it assists some people out there and some of the things they say they want to create in their lives. Absolutely. And thank you to everyone listening in. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the call and have some new tools to move you forward in the pursuit of your dreams and goals. You definitely don't want to miss next month's call. It's scheduled for Tuesday, December 9th, and the topic is choices. Uh, By the choices we make moment to moment and day to day, we create who we are and the kind of lives we live. You can register now at psiteleseminars.com, and remember to ask your questions when you register. Again, that's psiteleseminars.com. We do post live updates during the call on our Facebook page, and we love having your input. Find us at facebook.com forward slash PSI seminars and share your thoughts. What did you get out of the call, and how are you going to implement these concepts in your life? Again, for those of you who are new to PSI seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic Seminar or any of our advanced courses, you can go to psiseminars.com where you'll find information about all of our courses as well as the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's psiseminars.com. Thank you, everyone, for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. Have a great night. Have a great night.